Hey listeners, and welcome back to Who Knew We Didn't. My name is Megan, and my partner in podcast here is... Marta, hey! Marta with a pony flip. Yeah, girl. Uh, We are a podcast that talks about psychology and how psychology affects our everyday lives. Sometimes we talk about psychological studies, other times we talk about psychological phenomena, and today... Phenomena. Uh, Today uh, is a Marta episode. She's going to be talking us through the wonderful world of Phineas Gage. I am. Uh, so right before we start, I just want to put a little warning out there. This episode will talk about some pretty nasty head wounds and it gets into some graphic descriptions. Can't wait. Because I couldn't help myself. So if you guys are squeamish or whatever, just, you know, uh, you won't like this one. Be prepared or, um, yeah, just be prepared. Yeah. Yeah. So Megan, I've mentioned before that one of the main ways that we learn new things about what the brain regions do and how the brain functions is by seeing them malfunction. Mm -hmm. So today we have a story. Do you have a, well, I I had this written in my script. Do you have a guess of who it is? But you already read the title. So Uh, I actually did not read the title, but just you saying the head wounds and then saying that. Is it the guy who had the like spike through his brain? Yeah, girl. Is that who Phineas Gage is? Yeah. Shit. So, guys, I didn't know who he was. I'm excited. His, yeah, his name is <laughs> Phineas Gage, and it's called the American Crowbar Case. Whoa. Yeah. So, let me tell you a little bit about this dude. He was an American railroad construction foreman. We don't have much official knowledge about what he was like before the incident, because, like, well, he was an average American person. So, who has documented history of their past, it, like, Ever. Unless you kept a diary. I mean, unlikely. I don't know if American foremen back in that day and age were did. apt to take a diary. Yeah. I don't know. Um, but all we have is anecdotal accounts from his friends and family. But even with that stuff, it's still pretty interesting to learn about. So when he was younger, the his town doctor, John Martin Harlow, who's going to be the person that is taking us through all of Phineas's issues later on. So. Okay. Mr. Harlow will come back. He described Gage as a perfectly healthy, strong, and active young man, 25 years of age, nervobilious temperament, 5 feet 6 inches in height, average weight 150 pounds, possessing an iron will as well as an iron frame, muscular system unusually well developed, having had scarcely a day's illness from his childhood until the date of his injury. Uh, So he sounds like a handsome young chap nervobilious is that what you just said Mm -hmm. what's that i'm glad you asked so um i've never heard that nervobilious yeah me neither like does that mean he's balloony and nervous uh, i mean that would make the most (laughs) sense uh no so okay john harlow the physician was a believer or um yeah part of the pseudoscience movement of phrenology which apparently at this time was going out of style, according to that article that I read. Um, In phrenology, nervobilius denotes an unusual combination of excitable and active mental powers, whatever the fuck that means, uh, with energy and strength of mind and body, making possible the endurance of hard labor. Oh, so he was smart and good at hard labor? Apparently his, his mental powers were excitable and enduring. Okay. Yeah. Nervobilious, in other words. In phrenology terms, <laughs> since phrenology is no no longer considered a real science, we probably will never hear, hear this phrenology? term. Phrenology? Phrenology is an old belief system of 
the brain and how like intelligence can be explained based on like the shape of the brain and whatever and it was um if I'm remembering correctly, it was like really racist because it was one of the things that was oh. used to be like, this is why African-Americans are stupid because I their see. heads are shaped different. I see. So, yeah. Out of fashion, you might say. Yeah. Um, anyway, so he worked on the construction of the Hudson River Railroad near Cortland Town, New York. But at the time of the accident, he wasn't working construction. He was a blasting foreman on railway construction project in the same neighborhood so a blasting foreman has to set a blast which entails boring a hole deep into an outcrop of rock so if there's like a cliff or whatever and they need to blast that out of the way so that the train Mm -hmm. can go through they bore a hole add blasting powder and a fuse and then they put sand or clay or some other inert material on top and then they tamp it down so um What's interesting here is our young foreman, Phineas Gage, had a custom tamper created, right? So it was this iron rod and he had it made to like his own specifications and whatever. And so this is what he was using to tamp down the sand, clay or whatever it was that he was using. And so when like tamping that down uh, contains the blast energy so that it doesn't come out the top, it Mm -hmm. actually goes down through the rock. So at 4 p.m. on a fateful day in September, 1848 25-year-old Gage does this. He turns around because somebody behind him is talking to him, so he turns around to speak. And when his tamping iron went down to tamp down the sand, it hit rock and it sparked and the whole thing exploded. The tamping iron landed point first in the dirt some 80 feet away. That's how intense the explosion was. The thing is that it probably would have flown a lot further had there not been something in its flight path do you want to guess what was in the tamping irons flight path his head yeah gage's face oh my god so what is horrifying one of the articles i read said this was not his best day <laughs> understatement of the fucking century 19th century uh, to be wow exact. <laughs> wow yeah the so it's called the it's called the crowbar, uh, the American crowbar case, but it wasn't a crowbar. Like the tamping iron, Phineas is really lucky because it was straight. It wasn't curved at all. And it like came to a point, it was really smooth. So arguably, if you're going to be stabbed, if if something's going to fly through your face. Better a straight thing than a curved thing. Yeah. Is that what you're getting to? <laughs> That's what I'm getting to. And it's better that it's po- pokey than blunt. Blunt. Okay. Yeah. So like it passed through him pretty easily and went on uh-huh. to sail a good 80 feet that's how intense the explosion was um so i'm gonna get gross here it entered the left side of his face in an upward direction because his mouth was probably open uh it went through his upper jaw and then possibly completely fractured the cheekbone on the left side and i'm like showing megan with my hands here and then it passed behind the left eye and went up out of the head so like if you reach into your mouth and like just poke straight up on ah. your on the left side of your palate, it just like went straight, straight up through there, fucking up because his head was right over the hole where the explosion. My was. God, yeah. Um, so yeah, it went up straight through, passed behind his eye, through the left side of the brain, and then completely out of the top of his skull, like it entered and exited. Um, and then when it landed in the dirt some eighty feet away, it was smeared with blood and brain so um like he died no 
Um, do you want to hear what happens next? Obviously. <laughs> if he didn't die, then I imagine there's some more for you to tell me. Yes. Yeah. So right after the accident, Gage was thrown onto his back. He apparently, according to eyewitnesses, he convulsed his arms and legs for like a very short period. And then he spoke within a few minutes, walked with little assistance and sat straight up for Is a 30 he not minute. big like bloody face like <laughs> yeah he was i one time fell down on the sidewalk marta and i <laughs> smashed my face off the ground i'm not lying it was oh, awful sorry. i smashed I'm my sorry. face I'm off laughing. the ground it, it's funny um i was certainly concussed when i came to i was alone and like i it was a bad fall i lost a shoe my clarinet flew across Fuck into somebody's me. yard i gathered my shit up i started walking kept walking to my destination in the end like i just have a small scar left but like i didn't know it at the time but my face was covered in blood just because i scraped my face on the sidewalk you just carry and people like were pointing at me like oh my god look at that girl in their cars it was really embarrassing (laughs) um so he got a spike through his head Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and got up and kept living no bloody face like the well no, no iron no. rod is covered in blood and brain he had, and he's he had blood and brainy face blood and brainy face okay so he sat upright for the 30 minute carriage ride to the physician which was only like a kilometer or something away so imagine like somebody put like like <laughs> compress the wound like <laughs> well holy cow so i'll tell you the graphic details yes hear it? Okay. i need them clearly so um the doctor this is the doctor's accounting and it's not harlow it's a different doctor at this very moment um and this is his quotation when i drove up he said doctor here's some business for you i first noticed the wound upon his head before i alighted from my carriage the pulsations of the brain being very distinct the top of the head appeared somewhat like an inverted funnel as if some wedge-shaped body had passed from below upward mr gage during the time that i was examining the wound was relating the manner in which he was injured to the bystanders i did not believe mr gage's statement at the time and thought he was deceived mr gage persisted in saying that the bar went through his head mr g got up and vomited the effort of vomiting pressed out about half a teacup full of brain through the exit hole at the top of his skull which then fell upon the floor and this is a quote from Edward Edward H. Williams. So for a hilariously tragic reenactment of this, take a little gander through YouTube for a video called The Story of Phineas Gage. And it's like a reenactment of all of it, of the blast, of him going to the doctor being like, I have a, here's some business for you, <laughs> all of the above. Of him like talking and being coherent with like blood brain face. It's good that's brutal um and like you're sure he didn't die i'm i'm, I'm pretty sure um well he well kind of he he ended he kind up of dying died. he died eventually as we all do um but not before recovering from his injuries first so for, like he didn't die of his injuries he, you not immediately say he succumbed to his injuries yeah eventually 12 oh. years later oh yeah interesting yeah, yeah, yeah. go yeah. on do Uh-oh. go on so this happened in 1848 and he died in 1860 um and here's what it looked like from the day after the accident to when he passed away so day one he was transferred now over to harlow 
So that physician that we mentioned at the beginning. Day one, uh, his mind is clear, constant agitation of the legs being alternately retracted and extended like shafts of a fulling mill. I don't know what the fuck that means, but couldn't find any more explanation. Um, he says that he does not care to see his friends as he shall be at work in the next few days. Which to me strikes me a little ambitious. Bit. That's ambitious. Optimistic pie yeah. in the sky. Stupid. <laughs> Um, and apparently on the day on the day one, he recognized his mother and uncle when they came to visit him, uh, which is notable because he did not recognize them later. Mm. On day two, he apparently lost control of his mind and became decidedly delirious. Oh. Day four, again, rational, knows who his friends are. Day 12, he was semi-comatose, seldom speaking unless spoken to and answering only in monosyllables. So it sounds like he's getting good. Mm-hmm. Uh Day 13 and 14, really gross stuff is happening, which explains why he started getting worse before he started getting better. So this explains why he like became comatose, etc. Ah, okay. Uh, They called the deteriorated infected tissue around his left eye and coming out of the top of his head, fungus. Oh, dear. Because he had an infection and it was apparently like growing out. Of the top of his head. Goodness. And growing out of his eye. That's no good. Fungus. That's no good. And I was like, why didn't they get some antibiotics up in there? Well, it's 1848. I'm sure penicillin was invented by 1848, wasn't it? I don't know, but how did he get... Ugh, just... I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's a late 1800s thing. Hold on, real quick. Who's a Canadian? Just pause one second. Wait, was it a Canadian? No, Canadian developed insulin. Oh. A Canadian may have invented or discovered penicillin as well. No. Penicillin was 1928. Oh, shit. Well, no wonder. Ah, there you go. Yeah, so... Sorry, guys. No cure for Phineas's (laughs) fucking fungus coming out of his face. That's awful. So this sounds super pukey to me. Um, The doctor had to remove a cerebral abscess, which is actually amazing that this happened in the 19th century. Yeah. And Phineas is really lucky because he got a wartime surgeon who is familiar with this kind of stuff. But if it was a different surgeon, he probably would have died. Wow. Yeah. Um, Day 24, Gage succeeded in raising himself up and took one step to his chair. So like 10 days later, after removing the fungus from his head, he took a step. Wow. Yeah. Uh, Day 54, so... 30 days later he was uh walking up and down stairs around the house apparently uncontrollable because he tried to walk home to new hampshire to see his parents and he was walking like in socks and slippers and stuff oh like in the rain and so he caught a cold etc benny uh week 10 he was strong enough to go home to his parents which is where he went august of the following year so uh 1949 his mother told a physician that his memory seemed somewhat impaired but only slightly and in a way that if a stranger were to check it would wasn't not impaired. yeah so just to her but maybe she was just being hyper vigilant um a few days later he was invited to work in chile as a long distance stagecoach driver and he returned home like back to america in 1859 he returned home because he was suffering from epileptic seizures oh mm-hmm. in 1860 his seizures eventually led to his death the same year he had a grand mal oh my goodness and died but he lived 12 years after getting that's pierced through the fucking face that's 
nothing short of amazing, I have to say, because I feel like even with today's medicine, you could get a crowbar in your face and not live for another moment. Right. Yeah, that's something. So um, that's a lot of time to be working with him, like as a patient. And I'm expecting you to tell me that we learned a lot about the human brain as a result of this am i correct in this assumption we learned some shit i feel like you wouldn't have brought it up here today if we didn't learn <sighs> can some you shit. imagine no that's it that's no that's all that's the everything i've got for you yeah i just wanted to tell you about this crazy thing that happened in 1848 okay so what do we learn <laughs> okay actually first, <laughs> let me set the stage so the year is 1848 and we don't really know much about the brain we don't even know what areas of the brain are responsible for what we believe in phrenology that like the shape of your fucking skull determines your iq um we don't know what determines personality whether our thoughts even occur in the front of the brain or in the back or if we even use more than 10 percent of our brain we don't know jack shit Hmm. um so this phineas gage case in this setting of 1848 is famous for a reason according to malcolm mcmillan who wrote a book about this case so he should probably know a thing or two phineas is mentioned in about two-thirds of all psychology textbooks whoa which explains why i know his name inside and fucking out somebody says phineas and i'm like crowbar to the face like and just I'm verb yeah, yeah. phineas and verb <laughs> um yeah so somebody says phineas that's what i think and that's what most people with it's what i'll think now yeah yeah well it's fucking insane i do not have a psychology degree (laughs) like someone else in this room um i don't know (laughs) anyway so he phineas influenced 19th century discussion about the mind and the brain particularly uh he influenced the debate on centralized central localization which is the theory or the uh yeah i guess let's say theory that certain things happen in specific areas of the brain so that it's not that just like your thinking happens all over the brain and like your vision happens all over the brain that like your vision will happen in the back of the brain and like personality happens in the front of the brain whatever central that's like the the beginnings of us thinking that like different aspects of the brain do different Different things things. yeah exactly um This is perhaps the first case to suggest the brain's role in determining personality as well. Mm. Um, And that damage to specific parts of the brain might induce specific personality traits. Nobody ever, well, maybe they thought that, but this is the first case that like kind of provided evidence for it because of the way that this injury affected him. So let's talk about the fascinating parts of what was effective and what wasn't. Okay. What wasn't affected at least by most accounts other than his mother's account was his memory and his general intelligence he seemed to be able to remember just as well as he could before the accident and he was just as intelligent this immediately suggests that the frontal lobe of the brain doesn't have anything to do with those things like Mm. intelligence and memory so wait then so like he he got hit in the front of his head right that's the area of the brain that was damaged so then what part is the front and what does the front of your brain do? Like, what did that show? Yeah. So the front of our brain is called the frontal cortex. And I'll tell you a bit about what changed in Phineas first. And maybe that'll explain what the frontal cortex does. Okay. So according to his physician, Harlow, before the accident, Gage was hardworking, responsible, and a great favorite with the men in charge, in his charge. Uh, his employers had regarded him as the most efficient and capable foreman in their employ. Harlow might have been embellishing a little bit, but just seems to be the consensus. Okay. Phineas was in charge of people, and they liked him, and the people who were in charge of him 
also, also liked, liked him. him. Okay. After the incident, his memory and general intelligence, as I said, seemed unimpaired. Um, outsides of some periods of delirium, but I think this is only while he was still healing. Uh, but his employers considered the change in his mind so marked that they could not give him back his place as foreman again. Well, Harlow, the doctor, said that the equilibrium or balance, so to speak, between his intellectual faculties and animal propensities seems to have been destroyed. So apparently, according to Harlow, every man has a balance between intellectual faculties and animal propensities. Mm-hmm. Phineas's was all fucked up. Okay. And that's why he went on to work as a stagecoach later in life, I assume. Yeah. Okay. He is fitful, irreverent, uh, indulging at times in the grossest profanity, which was not apparently previously his custom. Mm. Uh, and he manifested but little deference for his fellows, impatient of restraint or advice when it conflicts with his desires. At times, pertinaciously obstinate, yet capricious and vacillating, devising many plans of future operation, which are no sooner arranged than they are abandoned in turn for others appearing more feasible. A child in his intellectual capacity and manifestations, he has the animal passions of a strong man, previous in his... Fuck, I can't read any of this. No, it's like the words these days. Jesus. Yeah. (laughs) Previous his injury, although untrained in schools, he possessed a well-balanced mind and was looked upon by those who knew him as a shrewd, smart businessman, very energetic and persistent in executing all of his plans and operation. In this regard, his mind was radically changed, so decidedly that his friends and acquaintances had said that he was no longer Gage. So I have to just point out, listeners, that like that's not Marta's normal way of speaking. Like she, like I know it sounded eloquent and everything, but she doesn't normally talk like that. that like was, an eighteen forty-eight physician. Those are some words. Huh. Those were some interesting words. So, personality is that that that's what that boils down to. That's what that means. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's what is in your frontal lobe, um, and it's higher level decision making and cognitive processing, which together contributes to slash also controls your personality hmm. so you get a good hit there <laughs> you're a changed you're man. a different person yeah or woman um and he's most famous in the annals of neuroscience because his case was the first to suggest the link between brain trauma and personality change Ooh. This may have been also the first case to suggest the brain's role in determining personality, which I mentioned. According to Harvard neurologist Alan Roper, this was a great day for psychology. If you talk about hardcore neurology and the relationship between structural damage, this is again a direct quote, Mm -hmm. uh, relationship between structural damage to the brain and particular changes in behavior, this is ground zero. It is one region of the brain, it's really obvious, and the changes in personality were stunning. It is the ideal case to illustrate the role the brain plays in personality. So uh, Harvard neurologist Alan Roper had like a bit of a hard on. (laughs) (laughs) Pervidious Gage's case at least. Exactly. Wow. All right. So Phineas, our friend, like he, he stayed this way his whole life and then like just this thing happened and then he was permanently changed well i'm not so sure because the um he wasn't really followed too closely afterwards like evidence is pretty slim but in 1960 a physician who knew gage from his job in chile driving a stagecoach described him as still engaged in stage driving and in the enjoyment of good health sorry in what year 
1860. Oh, I thought you said 1960. And I was like, so 100 years later after he died, Marta. <laughs> Maybe I did say it. Shit, saws. <laughs> Sorry. Um, enjoyment of good health with no impairment whatever of his whatsoever of his mental faculties. So it seems like Phineas made a recovery over time. Like he was slowly able to gain control of his impulses. Hmm. Um, they call this a social recovery from somebody being somewhat impulsive and uninhibited to into somebody who's not. And this leads me into social recovery hypothesis, which is still around today. And it suggests that Phineas's work as a stagecoach driver yeah. in Chile helped his recovery because it provided daily structure that helped him regain his lost social and personal skills. Interesting. This influenced another theory of recovery today that is actually actively used to, today uh, for those undergoing treatment of frontal lobe damage in modern treatment adding structure to tasks by for example mentally visualizing a written list is considered a key method in coping with frontal lobe damage hmm did not know mm-hmm um this also touches back to neuroplasticity which we've mentioned in an episode or two in the past this is the idea that the brain can rewire itself or fix itself after something traumatic um a neuroplasticity yeah <laughs> i think you brought it up right like it, it yeah and i just remember because it, it was like a term i learned and was like i get this i, <laughs> I will this. remember this word yeah <laughs> Um, the uh, neurological basis for such recoveries may be found in emerging evidence. So like today's a days, um, that's not a thing. Today's a days. Olden days. And then I. Nowadays. Nowadays. Is that what you meant? Fuck me. <laughs> Fucking idiot. Oh my God. Today's a days. Oh like it's like God. convulsing. That made me laugh a lot. <laughs> Sorry. Um, so this is evident emergent emerging evidence that's coming out today's a days um that damaged neural tracts may reestablish their original connections or they may rewire around uh further advances in this case have actually continued well into the 21st century so this case happened in 1848 into 1860 but in 1994 researchers using neuroimaging techniques uh reconstructed his skull and found that he suffered injuries to both the left and right prefrontal cortices which would result in problems with emotional processing and rational decision making then in 2004 a study said that no actually it was only on the left side of his cortex um, and then in 2012 uh they estimated that the iron rod destroyed approximately 11 percent of white matter engages frontal lobe and four percent of his gray matter or cerebral cortex mm -hmm. um, which gave more there's also like a really cool diagram of the actual neurological pathways that it affected and destroyed and like the areas that it destroyed but that's getting really that's a deep cut um and we don't have time for that shit okay so all of this is to say that Phineas Gage had a tremendous influence on neurology, psychology, like psychopathology with the brain. And this tragic day a century ago is still echoing today. NFL players, for example, experience personality changes, mm -hmm. depression and dementia d due to concussions on the field. Um, celebrities known for their personalities like Gary Busey and Tracy Morgan dramatically changed after traffic accidents that led to traumatic brain injury. It's also making me think of like the, what we talked about in our making a murder episode that like the traumatic head yeah. injuries. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. Um, so wow. Uh, that's crazy. That's all wild. Um, any other cases I should know about? Well, 
there's none as famous as Phineas Gage. Like he's the guy. Like you even knew that he had a railroad something but i didn't know his name yeah well but but it was just when you started talking i guessed it but like yeah yeah so i've got two russians and a brit to tell you about oh okay cool first i'll tell you about (laughs) Antoli. two russians and a brit walk Walk into into a a bar bar. (laughs) (laughs) sorry i just had to um Okay, so there's Anatoly Bugorsky. Uh, he was born June 25, 1942. Um, he was a researcher at the Institute for High Energy Physics in Protivno-Russia. <laughs> he worked with the largest Soviet particle accelerator at the time. In July 13, 1978, he was checking a malfunctioning piece of equipment when safety mechanisms failed, which you don't want to happen no. when you're working. Safety on a mechanisms fucking- fail is not something you want to hear particle accelerated no do you want a particle accelerated anywhere near you no um well (laughs) his head was in the way uh so the safety mechanisms failed and he was struck in the head by a motherfucking proton beam fuck yeah (laughs) insane apparently he saw a flash brighter than a thousand suns but didn't feel any pains um the flash brighter than a thousand suns is interesting to physicists because there is no flash with proton beams Mm -hmm. but people hit with high degrees of radiations or like blasts of radiation i think that that's the one have reported high um flashes of brightness so maybe it's just like the impact like affects your vision for a moment well um it makes a lot of sense once we learn about what happened to him so okay he survived um and even completed his phd damn boy there was virtually no damage to his intellectual capacity, but the fatigue of mental work increased markedly. Um, he lost hearing in his left ear with the exception of tinnitus. So he had ringing in oh, his left dear. ear. Sucks. Um, and the left half of his face was paralyzed completely and he had occasional seizures. Oh, goodness. According to the article that I found, apparent, I, I think he's still alive. So. Right on. Antolio somewhere with his PhD and frozen half of his face chilling after yeah. getting hit by particle chilling um, with phd the particle accelerator the particle accelerator uh shot through his nose area across the left side of his head if you guys were curious Yikes. so like it's shot kind of straight back instead of up like phineas so instead yeah instead of going up it shot like, shot, like the center his, of like, his face and like right out the back yeah basically back. like out the upper back kind of oh dear um and the doctors were amazed that he survived yeah but radiation doses even hundreds of times weaker than the one that he got in that shot are fatal so um antoli bugorsky was therefore taken to a hospital in moscow where doctors thought that they could watch his inevitable demise but this was soviet russia where particles accelerate you (laughs) (laughs) which wasn't my joke i took it from the article that i read on forget it was really good it was super good i didn't deliver it well but um when i read it i I actually laughed laughed. out loud yeah (laughs) um and according to the article no he did not gain any superpowers because it sounds like the way supervillains are created yeah or like yeah superhero supervillain yeah definitely a particle accelerator accident could be a catalyst for your superpower yeah some kind of radiation Yes. Anyway, uh, the next Russian we've got is Lev Zasetsky. 
should have practiced that before this podcast. No, I that sounds right. Uh, born August 1920, died September 1993. Um, and you'll be interested to know that the event that we're talking about was not 1993. So he also is another survivor of traumatic brain injury. He was notable for the tenacity with which he fought to regain a normal life and for what the pattern of his deficits helped cognitive scientists learn about brain function. Why is he notable for that? Well, when he was 23, in the Battle of Smolensk in Russia in 1943, a bullet entered his left parietal occipital area. The occipital lobe, I'll explain what these things are. Yes, yeah, please. (laughs) Uh, The occipital lobe is a visual processing center of your brain, and it contains most of the visual cortex, so the thing responsible with vision. Um, And it's basically directly in the back of your head. Okay. So like, um, yeah, just directly in the back of your head. Okay. Um, the parietal lobe, which is the other, I said parietal occipital area, the parietal lobe is kind of in the upper back part of your brain. So imagine if you know where like that divot is in the back of your head, just above that, like that whole area, like the bullet went up through the back, like where that divot is and then out the top. So it just traveled like up the back of his head. Oh goodness. Basically. Um, So the occipital lobe is, oh, I already told you guys about that. Parietal lobe is in the upper back part of your brain, and it's responsible for integrating sensory information like sights, smells, etc. with other things, like making you know what you are seeing exists. And it's also pretty important in language processing. Yeah, it sounds important. Mm -hmm. Which explains the following. So now that you guys know what those areas of the brain do, it explains his symptoms. He lost the ability to read, write, and speak. Retrieving desired words was particularly difficult, which is losing the ability to speak. He could still kind of speak, but with great difficulty. Um, He suffered impaired vision, memory, and other functions. He developed a form of agnosia and became unable to perceive the right side of things. Oh my goodness. Mm -hmm. So if you guys remember from like our sensation and perception episode, um, agnosia is like an issue with perception uh it's the inability to process sensory information loss of ability to recognize objects persons sounds shapes or smells and if you remember the damage is specifically to the visual processing like to the occipital lobe which is where your visual cortex is and to the parietal lobe which is where you process stuff from your visual cortex wow so like he just like had no no choice um what is really fucked and really interesting like again would give a harvard harvard scientist a boner is um objects he did see often appeared as fragmented pieces rather than whole objects uh he couldn't see the right side of objects and even the right side of his body was invisible to him oh my goodness this is an experience that remained terrifying to him even years later oh that's terrifying to think about right imagine you just like didn't see the right side of your fucking body oh and like he could like technically he could see it because his eyes worked. He just couldn't make sense of it. But yeah, because the area that of his brain that like makes sense of that was minced meat. Wow. Right. So wow. there's a book about him called The Man with a Shattered World, The History of a Brain Wound. I didn't read it. Sounds, Sounds fascinating. Yes. Yeah. Poor guy. But also like just really fucking interesting. And then the final guy that I mentioned, the Brit. Um, so he, his life was from 1830, April 1830 to May 1904. You guessed it. The incident didn't happen in 1904 when he died. What's his name? Oh, yeah. F- fuck. Forgot. 
sorry, you just introduced the last two guys. I figured Edward Muybridge. Tough name. Apparently, his name originally was like Edward something Muggeridge, but I don't know how it fucking transformed to transformed to Edward Muybridge. But and uh, no, that's what Wikipedia told me. Okay. <laughs> Um, in central Texas, he suffered severe head injuries in a violent runaway stagecoach crash. God. This is 1800s. Lots of stagecoaches involved. Maybe it was Phineas's oh. stagecoach. No, he was in Chile. Um, he, the, the stagecoach crash was so intense that it injured every single passenger on board and even killed one of them, which sucks. Wow. Um, he... Edward was ejected from the vehicle and hit his head on a rock or hard object. They weren't sure. Weren't sure. Um, he was kept in treatment for a few months for treat for symptoms of double vision, confused thinking, impaired taste and smell. Wow. And there's spe- speculation that he suffered injury to the orbital frontal cortex. So this is right at the front of your head, same area as Phineas, um, and it's involved in the cognitive processing and decision making this also may have led to his emotional eccentric behavior reported by his friends in his later years uh edward was also notable because he was a famous photographer which i found out in on his wiki page and there's conjecture that his photography skills came from the fact that he had impaired cognitive processing and decision making so he didn't have he wasn't held by the same like self-consciousness as his has contemporaries patriots yes. yeah contemporaries that's a better word for it wow yeah and that's there's some other brain injury stuff like i wanted to cover Broca's area because that one's really interesting um and Broca's aphasia we talked about mm-hmm. before but that's another like full episode yeah. of its own so that's that's phineas gage and some some other other he- up- crazy head injuries yeah wow how are you guys feeling uh well i can't speak for everybody else listening but uh no weird (laughs) that was a lot that was a lot of information and really really interesting so wow thanks marta yeah no problem i have hope that should i ever be hit in the head somebody will learn something i don't know (laughs) (laughs) both of us are just like i don't don't know why i said that Uh, uh yikes so Thank you. That that was a, a lot to take in and very interesting. And we learned quite a lot, apparently, from these poor guys who got hit in the head. Yikes. We did. <laughs> uh, thank you all for listening. I hope you all learned something. And I mean, at the very least, wear a helmet for sure if you're doing anything ever. dangerous. No, just anything like, ever. Just maybe like keep some head take care of your heads everybody and find us on all our social media <laughs> who do we didn't everywhere facebook Interesting segue. <laughs> take care of your head and look us up on social media <laughs> instagram patreon we're who do we didn't everywhere even at gmail.com and uh yeah thanks everybody for listening and tune in next time to learn more about your brains okay bye bye